to the Super Beast podcast with Berg, Blake and Charlotte. We've got a bumper show for this month. I'm not sure how we're going to fit everything in, but uh, Berg, Charlotte, how are you doing? Hey, good, man. How are you? Good, thank you. Still uh, buzzing off uh, yesterday's election news. Was that a nice treat for the pair of you? Yeah, it was uh, It was really good news. I couldn't quite believe it when, uh, when I read it. Still not 100% sure I believe it until Trump's actually out of the White House. He's going to be like a pantomime bad guy pardoning all his mates uh, till then. I feel like he won't leave. It's like it's like democracy's being challenged by the biggest fucking capitalists and their best lawyers. So we'll see what legal challenge they've got. It's been an emotional week. I should probably say to our listeners that we're recording this on the 8th of November. So the, the US election was just called yesterday afternoon for Biden. Uh, obviously, anything could happen. We'll definitely talk more about the election a little bit later on. Um, but how are you guys? So what, what have you been up to recently? Anything uh, exciting since we last chatted? Yeah, I mean, um, it's been um, a, a strange few weeks, really, hasn't it? It's been, been odd. I think sort of now we've gone into kind of a, a second proper lockdown and things it's just it's felt like a really weird week I went over to visit my mum she's been uh, sort of a bit fed up really I think everybody has really because she lives on her own but I went over and helped her with a few things that have really been bugging her that are like two-person jobs so like you know put a new mattress on a bed for her and help to fix a computer and I've taught her how to use FaceTime and <laughs> I'm trying to encourage her to sort of feel a bit more confident about technology and stuff so i've uh, been industrious and productive well, well charlotte's gonna be making oat milk and pumpkin beer and uh, yeah being, our boiler's broken at the minute so just been like kind of trying to get that sorted like over getting my garden ready to overwinter it just putting cardboard on top of stuff like harvesting in the final crops doing stuff with them um and yeah we got this two this all our training days in one extra week so where we could have had that two week fire break like the uh, wales and other countries have done kept the rates down um like i've had two weeks off so it's been quite nice and big news finished my novel as well like and sent it to the first publisher so rather than being that person forever saying oh i nearly got it sorted that's done and that's sent off now but other than that like yeah pretty good like um uh, do my exercises in the morning meditating on how many different privileges i've got and trying to like make sure that i'm just being nice to the people well c- congratulations on the book um i'm i'm genuinely really impressed how's your week been well how's your month been <laughs> not spoken for a while <laughs> On the whole, it's been good. I mean, obviously, South Yorkshire's been in in kind of tier two and tier three lockdowns and stuff for a little while now. So I think maybe about two or three weeks ago, it kind of finally hit me like how all the things that I've been putting off this year, you know, just, you know, even just little things like, you know, trip, trips to, to places and seeing people, seeing old friends and stuff kind of finally hit me that all that isn't going to come back anytime soon. And that the, you know, we'll be living with, with these restrictions for quite some time yet, you know, like probably yeah. at least a year. And I think maybe it was like the tier three thing coming in and like the <laughs> pubs shutting again or whatever, but something triggered it. And I definitely started getting quite down about it. I've managed to snap out of it now, thankfully, but I just uh, yeah, this sort of enormity of it all kind of hit me, and yeah, I wasn't mm-hmm. wasn't in a place for a little while, but yeah, no, much better now. Good. Um, really, really tough. Like the last couple of weeks, it's like it's got darker and the weather's shit and stuff as well, and it's just yeah, yeah, it is crap. I mean, just looking out of the window at the moment, it sort of <laughs> looks like 
a horror, a horror film or something, doesn't it? Just that thick fog right against your window. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think it gets to everyone eventually, and and unfortunately, it got to me for a little bit, but all sorted now anyway. Uh, my dad, my dad's bought himself a sprinter van um, that he's going to convert into a like a mobile like home thing. What, what do you call it? Like a camper van? That's it. Yeah. Um, so so um, that that's his little project to keep him busy um, through the next lockdown and through winter and stuff. And um, so I've been watching like van conversion videos on YouTube to see. It was possible, and oh my god, it's a rabbit hole that you can yeah. just slide. <laughs> so I, I've even got Kate into it as well, and we we must have watched I don't know twelve hours of van conversion videos in the last two weeks. Addicted to like van porn, then now is that it? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And it's not even something I, I really you know I don't want to live in a van myself, but it's just like how how different people solve different problems. Like, do they have a toilet? Do they have a shower? Where do they keep? Yeah. Right. <laughs> mm. it, it looks like a good challenge especially you know learn some like diy skills and stuff if you're if you're into that kind of thing and yeah i yeah. don't know it could be fun like uh, you can get quite um ergonomic with with uh, changing things in bands it's a lovely project and gives you that sense of freedom so yeah best for your, your dad's band so yeah so that's kind of swallowed up a lot of my time i was uh obviously we needed to watch this extinction uh film and I was—I watched it this morning. I was thinking, God, I, why haven't I watched this yet? And I was like, Oh, because I've been watching van videos. That's why. <laughs> anyway. How did you find the extinction video? It wasn't as like difficult to watch in, or it wasn't difficult to watch in the way that I was expecting. I was kind of mm. expecting a lot more like animal suffering on screen. Yes. Yeah. And thankfully, there wasn't too much of that, apart from some uh, some poor pangolins. Um, yeah, I didn't like yeah. a bit of pangolins at all. That made me really sad. <laughs> But, uh, what, what did you make of it? Um, same, really. I think um, I liked the fact that it wasn't um, oversimplified as well, um, mm. and that um, kind of the information was presented in a way that was understandable. But they hadn't dumbed it down, um, and I liked that. Um, but yeah, mm. I, I really struggled with the, the footage of the pangolins because I, I lived out in Thailand for a while, and when I was there. I spent quite a lot of weekends trying to see pangolins <laughs> and never saw mm. one. Um, and then just to see them all in bags like that being mistreated was just absolutely horrendous. Um, so, uh, mm. yeah, that, that section of it upset me quite a lot seeing that because um, I, I just think that they're just such wonderful animals and then to be treated like that in the name of medicine is absolutely ridiculous. Cause uh, it's and you the could same... just get your fingernails and your yeah. toenails to well, achieve the same stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, the same stuff as fingernails. Yeah, so it's just yeah, a bit crazy. But I know that there's like loads and loads of animals that get mistreated, not just pangolins. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, like one of the hardest parts to watch was um, the kind of industrial scale farming and the industrial yeah. scale uh, fishing as well. You know, yeah. seeing like one hundred and fifty thousand oh, yeah. trawlers with nets bigger than houses. Just yeah, yeah that pe- uh, pe- it made me feel a no. bit queasy. That you know, like just that that volume of of um, mm. overconsumption and you know that all that isn't going to get eaten there's only probably half of that will actually get eaten and the rest of it will probably get waste it's that it, it's, it's the gluttony of it isn't it that people talk about like the the rape of the natural world and like i think when yeah like you say i, I just felt really yeah I, I don't know i couldn't i didn't want to see like the planet 
being uh, abused like that. It was that, uh, yeah, I, it was it took me by surprise, but they were the scenes that I found quite difficult to watch. But lots of interesting points about, you know, the damage that, that livestock and, and meeting is doing to the world and, and how that's a really simple fix. If people could move away from uh, from meat eating, it would have a huge impact. But um, yeah. yeah, definitely an important thing to watch. And for me, it was like the habitat loss and the uh, the scale and the effects of, of which, like, you know, how these sort of um, kind of this habitat loss directly leads to diseases coming out that are affecting human populations is really massively obvious. Yeah, it's, it's just kind of impossible to, to ignore, really, like, given the situation we're in, that, that sort of industrial scale kind of really unhygienic mass factory farming, like destruction of habitats mm. through in the oceans, just absolutely systematically taking apart nature rather than living in any sort of sustainable balance with it. Um, just horrendous and, and it's got to change and, and the sooner people can put in the standards and norms that can can make that happen the more chance we've got of maintaining any sort of uh, realistic balance going onwards and, and the main chance we've got of even attaining our own freedoms or you know all these horrendous amounts of culls of factory animals that have got like these new potential viruses coming out all mm. uh, like worryingly apocalyptic um but uh, all very solvable through uh, government and politics so Let's hope this new um, hopeful sort of dawn of uh, less right-wingness and stupidity can lead to closer to a symbiotic balance with the natural world. There was just one scene in, uh, in particular that sticks in my head. There was a there was a tree, um, well, I guess like a tree trunk in the middle of a cleared forest with um, it with its um, branches gone and no other yeah. trees around it, and there was a orangutan yeah. just cut and climbed up it with nowhere to go and nothing yeah. to do, and I just yeah, that was pretty. Really upset me actually that yeah you know all ecosystems like knackered like it have been for a while and now it's, uh, it's playing out in terms of what else i've been up to um i was uh in, in the queue to get some food on my lunchtime last week um and there was some school kids in front of me maybe they were like 16 or something like that um and they they, they were sort of queuing up to go uh into this restaurant to get some takeaway food and um one of their friends came along they were like talking on their vape or whatever and then they joined the group and then they just all passed the vape around and all had a puff on the vape. And it's oh. just like, oh, do you not know what's going on in the world at the moment? Oh, oh. <laughs> just an amazing little moment of, oh, Christ. <laughs> Have we got some jingles? We, we've got we've got three jingles, Blake. Like, uh, cause, no, okay. You know, I, I've, I've done an interview uh, with Emily Dewsnap and she sent us a jingle. You've got one, me and Charlotte have done one, so... It's uh, it's practically Christmas. How much is jingly here? <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay. Well. Um. Yeah, let's let's jingle all the way then. Um. Should we? <laughs> I'll play. I'll play yours first. How about that? Is there anything you need to say in advance, or should we just hear it? Reggae. Super. 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 Loved it. Reaching for the high notes at the end there. Concise. Um, all right, let's have a, a listen to a Emily Dew snaps then. My dog, he can do the can-can better than my cat can, but my goldfish finds it very difficult. And my dog, he can do the can-can better than my cat can because he's a super beast. <laughs> that, that was very good of her to, to write a little uh, contribution for us. <laughs> she adapted a vocal warm-up, she said. But yeah, that's, that's nice. Good, that. Thanks, Emily. Very good, indeed. All right, okay. Well, this is mine. Oh, 
sound bad, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Should we? Did you? Did you want to play a song? Yeah, either of you. Oh hell yeah! So um, my mate uh, Niels and uh, his compadres in Stoge Snack released a new album uh, through a bunch, whole bunch of like record labels across Europe, and it's called Life, Death, and Everything in Between. And this is one of my favourite tracks off it because uh, it features the very uh, talented prowess of a lass called Sarah on the trumpet who uh, plays in a band called Petty Treason. And yeah, this the song's called Wants and Needs. Uh, and yeah, I think this is uplifting, poetic, and everything that that is happening at the moment that's that's uh, building up my uh, nerves on the back of my neck to to feel good about life. So. Great, I bet that sounds really good live. Yeah, well, I bet you can't wait to tour it when it's possible. Like, um, but yeah, uh, check out his album; it's excellent. Okay, um, should we uh, should we do a little bit of news? Yeah, come on, let's do it. All right, uh, my news is very uh, disorganised and, <laughs> and, and isn't in any particular order. Um, so uh, maybe, maybe you should go first. Okay, well, 
Yeah, the, the sort of a few things struck out. Some of the ne negotiations for local lockdowns, Andy Burnham in, in Manchester sort of like uh, holding out and saying the government were playing like poker with how much they were offering. And then everything changed again uh, with, with the national lockdown sort of thing. Uh, quite an interesting um, kind of negotiation over people's livelihoods and lives. But now they've come out with this much bigger sort of financial package. But let's not forget that it just keeps changing very quickly. You've got the uh, the second MP wage rise this year. So you think working from home, you'd be able to spend less money. But no, uh, they've got the money for two wage rises this year, but not for feeding poor children over like uh, holidays. Um, kind of. Like because the Tories are saying it's going to lead to state dependence, um, but then again, you could look at things like the funding of fossil fuels companies leading to sort of fossil fuel dependence. So I, I don't know how you guys feel about the inability to look after the poor as a, as a vote-winning policy by the Tories. I feel really quite angry about the fact that they're not doing something about this. This um, I know they're saying that they've already put a lot of funding in. Um, they're saying that the other funding that they're giving councils, it's down to the local councils to um, look after families on a local level and all the rest of that rubbish that they spout. But they've actually got a chance to make a difference at a time when, uh, you know, it's pretty unprecedented what we're going through at the moment. And it just, it, it really, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a polite way to put it, but yeah, it really boils my head that they still <laughs> can't actually like pull the fingers out and do something about this. Sorry, that wasn't very polite, but yeah, they make me really angry. They've got a chance to make a difference and just not doing it. Philip Davis is our local oh. And like this, this area is a, a pretty poor area. You know, there's a lot of people that are really, really struggling to make ends meet. And I don't know how you dare have the brass neck to do that, to be honest, and and, um, and, and vote against it in, in the constituency that it comes from. It, it makes me really, really angry. Yeah, I can't stand Philip Davis, but especially can't stand like overall Tory policy on this. Yeah, there's been a few things going around with like people saying, oh, uh, yeah, we can't we can't have any more refugees in it. It'll cost us too much money. And then it's kind of like, oh, but we can't actually look after our own books. It'll cost us too much money. It's like when, at what point do you kind of say that, like, let's try and eradicate poverty and work together to do it? I don't think there's there's any um, excuses for not having the money to end poverty as well when we're paying, what, how many, was it billions for an Excel spreadsheet for Track and Trace? Well, or, or, 12, you know, 12 billion. Been your estimation of the uh, track and trace so far? We, we are. Yeah. It's shite. I think there's nine year olds out there building. <laughs> <laughs> you got half a billion pounds of contracts for PPE going to Tory donor companies. So I'm, I'm, I know I'm, I certainly sound a little bit cynical, but it seems like we've got all these like new testing things that Liverpool's going to get. But I'd, I'd imagine, and Charlie, you touched upon this last episode of like it seems to be companies that they've just managed to set themselves up as having stakes and shares in or like whether they've previously been given these stakes and shares i don't know if you investigated further what you talked about last uh not so particularly no but um the people that i was talking about in the last episode it turns out they've actually worked at these companies um in the past and then they get given share packages while they're still working there um and to some degree they'll have to um declare them but they can also hang on to a certain proportion of them um so it just, it smacks of, oh, I don't know, corruption, it smacks of lying, it's um, a lack of transparency, and um, yeah, really, um, I, I want to look into it a little bit more than what I've had time to do, but I don't think, you know, they're just going to carry on covering it up, but I feel like every time they make a recommendation of a certain company or anything like that, I do feel like they need to declare this, that there's like a conflict of interest. It's sort of like playing yeah. with the nation's health and, and it kind of, it just takes a bit because 
So for instance, like Dido Harding's husband's the anti-corruption champion and, and they dismantled the public health, uh, authority of public health England and appointed uh, his wife as, as the new head of this thing, who's got that horrible um, sort of record in terms of uh, talk talk and, and their data breaches and things like that. It's, mm. it, it's just, uh, I, I don't understand. I'd like to feel confident about these things, but then you just have to like look at it with any amount of just small amount of research or mm. kind of, and go like that. That's pretty sinister. Like, mm. um, well, we've got some pretty sinister ministers. <laughs> definitely, Patrick Valance is one to watch because, um, yeah, his shares um, actually mature in April next year. So he's kind of fighting getting rid of all of them because they'll mature then. So he'll get a nice fat payout. <laughs> mm. Mm, it's funny how he's dragging his heels on that one. Um, blast through a bit of world news really quickly yeah uh, still bad stuff happening in libya uh, afghanistan not really sure how well that's going the negotiations with the taliban armenia and what's the other one who are armenia azerbaijan, azerbaijan. Bing, bing, bing. since this podcast has been recorded russia instigated a peace deal it means that azerbaijan are going to gain control of an armenian city that they took back about 30 years before which is going to be very unpopular in armenia and might cause further conflict in belarus they're sort of they're still putting pressure on the guy to step down a bit like in america like and uh, hopefully that the Legitimising that a bit more. Um, Chile had a, had an election about about their constitution because they've been under forty years of kind of oppressive rule from this kind of uh, 1980s syndicate of, of American sort of uh, guys, the Chicago Boys, Milton Friedman, who went over and kind of changed their socialist democracy into a kind of capitalist gangbang. And they've voted to change their constitution at least at a draft level. They're they're really celebrating because there've been a lot of street protests about that. So Chile, which is uh, you know quite lithium rich and got quite a lot of natural resources that could be helping their population as as these things are needed more in the future, might be able to get some more general kind of uh, spread out like welfare for all that stuff. Um, yeah, there's a new scientist reported that for the first time on on a um, uh, satellite picture, you've got five a cluster of five tropical storms seen by a satellite. Uh, I believe the biggest one was called Sally. Uh, they've run out of A to Z of storms this year because there's been so many. Apparently, the global warming will not increase the number of hurricanes, but it's just going to make them stronger and more damaging. 17 million mink being culled in Denmark. A lot of like mink trade. You know, you look at those pictures of crammed together cages and animals just like soaked in piss, and uh, yeah, it shouldn't be happening. And because there's, uh, there's been some potential nasties going in there, the World Health Organization said that they've had to cull 17 million minks, but they shouldn't be being kept in that sort of condition in the first place. Likewise, Netherlands are having to uh, cull like up to 200,000 chickens again because the, some of these like live birds have been migrating and, and spreading this potential bird flu. Um, so, yeah, massive cull of chickens and massive waste of resources. But just again, uh, going back to that, like, uh, you know, having hygienic sort of standards in, in farms and not um, kind of overpopulating those farms and, and not having animals living in shit, piss and blood and things like that because that's where nasty viruses come from. And that's my news. Sorry, I wish I had some positive news. I was like, like <laughs> go on then, go on then, Blake. You, you're ready with this? Go on, hit us with something positive. Well, uh, one of them, I don't know how positive it is really, but IKEA have announced a buyback scheme. So they'll, they'll buy back old furniture from you, probably like selected lines and stuff. And it depends on the quality of it, but um, that's quite good for sustainability. It's part of the uh, They want to be carbon neutral by 2030, which again, vaguely ambitious, I suppose. Um, but I thought that was, that was quite nice. Um, so are they planning to kind of sell the furniture secondhand then that they buy back? I think that's it, yeah. Also, you might have seen this as well. This is my only other um, positive bit of news, really. Um, uh, did you see that a sculpture uh, in Holland, um, a whale sculpture, I think it was, um, had caught a train that had run off the tracks? 
<laughs> Did you see the picture of it? I, um, I saw yeah. a photograph, but I didn't know that that was the story. I thought the whole thing was a sculpture. Wow. No, no. So, so the train, uh, I think it's like a, a tube train or a tram or whatever, had gone off the end of the tracks uh, and the sculpture, the whale's uh, tail, had caught it and, uh, you know, saved some lives. I thought that was pretty good. Wow. You know, art, art saves lives. Um, yeah. You know, in a very real sense. I've got lots of negative news. Charlotte, have you got any, any uh, news, positive or negative? I've got any more sort of positive ones. Um, hmm. I've, got, I've got kind of like sort of little local news stories, but I don't know whether okay. they'll be that you. Um, so me and John went for a walk the other day and there were parakeets in the park in Chile. Oh, yeah. um, mm. Parakeets, um, there were six of them we saw. Um, and that was quite nice, actually. It felt like uh, being in the Canary Islands or something. <laughs> the little parrots in, in the park in, in, in Shipley. <laughs> Hello, like, you know, they might start usurping some of the birds from the local uh, fauna. Yeah, yeah. But I think they were just feeding stuff out of the allotments, to be honest. <laughs> it was great. It sounded like Laser Quest. They were like, pew, 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 Yeah. Pew. <laughs> <laughs> There's, like, the protests that have been happening in um, Poland about um, abortion rights. So um, there's been massive, massive protests like the last couple of weeks against like new legislation that they're bringing in in, in Poland. Um, and then kind of on the other hand, there's been like new legislation that's come in fairly recently in Ireland where they're, they're actually kind of relaxing some of the laws a little bit. So it's like one extreme to the other at the moment. <laughs> I'll smash through some of my uh, less positive news, if that's all right with you. Yeah. It is. All right, here we go. So um, a million tonnes of radioactive water um, in Japan uh, that they've, they've been storing in tanks since the Fukushima um, incident. They're thinking of releasing a million tonnes of radioactive water into the sea over the next uh, decade, I think it is. Um, which doesn't sound so good, and um, Japanese fisher fisher folk are uh, are up in arms against it. But I don't think they know what to do with this water. Otherwise, it sound like sound. that episode of The Simpsons where they end up with that three eyed fish. It might be the episode of Humanity where we end up with like no decent fish and bioaccumulated <laughs> yeah. cancer in human bodies yeah. and just sort of jellyfish that you can't eat, making like toxicology of the ocean a lot worse. Uh, another one uh, I've got is. Um, Actually, I've just got three words written down, bullet, death, sad. But I think what that means is in California that, um, yeah, that's right, more than 100,000 Californians have bought a gun um, in response to the COVID-19 crisis. Um, which, <laughs> can you shoot that virus? Well, they're clearly worried about looting and stuff, which I understand. Yeah. But it's yeah, like yeah. you can't buy your way out of it. You can't shoot your way mm. out of it. It's like, I think it should be a time when people are trying to help each other and not shoot each other. I just thought that it might kind of engender a bit more community spirit within people rather than this, like, I mean, I know we're isolating and you have to isolate to stay safe in, you know, majority of cases, but it's just the, how is buying a gun going to help? Like, pushing mm. pushing neighbours away and pushing people away that might be able to help you in a time of your own crisis by buying a gun yeah bullet death sad <laughs> I, I think uh, we'll get onto the state of america when we talk about the election which i think we're going to have to do shortly but i'll just yeah. go over a couple of other things um actually staying on the, the the bullet death sad um the chief of uk defense staff was on uh i think sky this morning sophie ridge um saying that that he he thought that um the economic uncertainty uh, brought on by the covid downturn 
meant that the chances of World War Three were much more likely. Um, so he was yeah. saying that on Breakfast TV this morning. So that's that's yeah. pretty cheery. Yeah, I mean, it's not it, it's not unforeseeable, really, is it, that there's going to be issues? So, yeah, more yeah. people are cooped up, and the more like weird ideas people get, and uh, yeah, the more guns they've got, and the more bored they get. It's like there is a gathering storm of like you know, if if, if we could all just calm down, like uh, then maybe it would, maybe it would be fine, be sensible. But there's so many like so much misinformation, so many counter opposed ideologies, and so much like polarization of attitudes yeah. that. Yeah, you'd have to be um, sort of, you know, not you have to be hopelessly naive not to kind of um, to notice that there, could, there is the, the possibility of flare-ups if, if uh, we don't maintain the sort of order and decency. Uh, I think once I run out of van conversion videos, I'm going to get onto the uh, improvised explosive devices uh, <laughs> and uh, see what I can come up with. Uh, two last things. Uh, I'd had wanted to... Um, discuss with you that like whether or not covid had been better or worse for like single use plastics anyway i'd seen in the news this week that a recent study had found that there was like single use face masks and gloves found on nearly a third of all uh, british beaches so it definitely sounds like there's some problems there that were there's a bit of a cleanup operation needed at some point i feel like there's pros and cons with this whole thing around plastics because i think uh, so many more people have been working at home i think there's been a reduction in stuff like um, single-use coffee cups and lids and, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like sandwich packets with the clear plastic windows and stuff like that. So I think there's been a, a, a massive reduction in that type of thing. Um, yeah. And even, um, yeah, like the, the economy of um, working from home and being able to, like, bulk buy stuff or, you know, you eat your leftovers more easily from home or whatever. And Swings and roundabouts, and it's down to all the individual decisions that we make. Shall we... Shall we um, talk a little bit about the election? Because I don't know about you too, um, but the last when was when was the election? It was Tuesday, wasn't it? The last yeah. five days or whatever, um, I've felt really anxious about this, and and I was trying to like ask myself why do I care about who is elected in in the states? You know, in another country that doesn't really affect me. And I was kind of thinking about it, and I was like, it's because it's not a vote for a leader necessarily. It's kind of like a vote to legitimize or invalidate ideas of like truth, honesty and and democracy itself. And so, yeah, I've just been really anxious about it. And actually it was a huge relief yesterday um, when the mm. result came through. And I wondered what you, how you, how you were dealing with it if you were interacting with it in such a, in the same kind of way or not really. It's a relief, isn't it? Like, because I mean, it's the worst like legal trick I've ever heard in history trying to like defund the post office so people won't vote via post. <laughs> And then, yeah. like, I mean, he's going to continue to claim, uh, and probably this could, this process was hearing on the radio could go on to like mid December. Him trying to claim voter irregularities, and he'll try to argue things like from a legal angle. And you know, he's, he's certainly not going to be sort of courteous until someone has proven to him beyond his senses that that he should like submit. It's you know, it is what it is. Maybe we can change the narrative away from like all this ridiculous right wing kind of empowering crap to like we can start to look at some of the progressive changes that we could be making and start to do something about them. So I'm hopeful that it's, it's going to allow for the narrative to change in an interesting way. But these things do have a, a, a sort of a tendency to swing back the other way when someone does some extreme ass shit. Um, and then the right get really annoyed at the left that they didn't have the security in place to deal with. The other thing too is like that Biden's going to inherit an absolute mire of absolute shitty half-finished policies like border walls and people that want to continue border walls themselves privately and 
you know, mm. kind of he's going to have to like deal with international situations like Iran and China and Russia, and you know, it's going to be a big diplomatic act. It's going to take more than one person. Just obviously, like it's been boiled down to a, a, a kind of change between two people, but it's it's a change between two mentalities, and that's how I want to see it. That kind of like you say, more truthful. Um, d- democratic mentality can develop and we can look at um, sort of better things and trying to deal with some of the things that are a bit shitty that have been going on. I think my take on it is that Biden is just a nicer person. He seems like a more gentle, more measured, less volatile person, which I think is something that the world really needs right now. You know, we don't, we don't need people that are going to start wars and, um, you know, just profit from misery and kind of exclude 50% of the population either economically or because of the gender or the colour of the skin or, you know, is is so divisive. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely, um, it it wasn't any kind of landslide, was it? I mean, obviously, um, Biden won by, I don't know, whatever it is at the moment, four four million more votes or something, but uh, it, it was pretty neck and neck um, for, for the majority. And so it's a hugely divided country. Um, yeah. And, and I, I suspect the UK is is pretty much the same as well. Yes, um, yeah. I started wondering, you know, is, is Hollywood to blame? You know, a lot of Hollywood films are about a kind of <laughs> lone hero, like single-handedly taking on and beating all the odds <laughs> and stuff. I don't know. That sort of sows a kind of like um, a mentality in people's brains. Yeah. You know, if they're not able to apply any other um, political, uh, you know, nous to it, then yeah, he he sort of project, projected himself as a, a lone hero. And uh, did we talk about this on the last episode? It's apologies if I did, but um, have have you seen Donald Trump Jr. the the genuine psychopath? <laughs> I've, a friend of mine posted a clip, but I sort of I, I didn't want to watch it. It was like, oh, Democrats have won. I don't want to watch the next like rising Hitler. But the same sort of uh, night before, I had this dream of like Robert Carlyle. You know, when he played Hitler in that sort of um, that series, and he was really far too good at it. And I was like, yeah, the next Hitler's growing somewhere. And uh, you know, there, there are all these like right wing people that are ready to be stirred up by sort of a really really horrible voice. And uh, we've just got to make sure that the narratives are going the right way. And uh, yeah, just guarding against the rise of, of, of people that are going to stir up that hatred and incidences that are going to stir up that hatred too. And yeah, just just uh, take the wind out of the sails and calm down. Just, uh, sorry, I'm just looking something up on uh, on IMDb. But um, yeah, I just remembered who Donald Trump Jr. reminds me of. Basically, he's he. if you watch any interviews with him, he is a he comes across as a genuine psychopath, like completely detached from reality. He looks mm-hmm. like Trump on coke. Um, and I was just trying to remember who reminded me of, and I think I think he's called Ellis. Um, he's a character in Die Hard, um, and he's actually um, Bruce Willis. Like catches him doing some coke off his desk in his room, uh, and he, yeah, he really reminds me of that yeah, character. Anyway, I know. Do you know the one I mean? Yes, absolutely. He tries to make a deal with hands. Yes. I, I, I strongly suspect that uh, Trump Jr. will be will make some sort of beeline for power, uh, and yeah. I think if. If he was to make have any sort of success with that, I think we'd be in an even worse place. So let's uh, let's hope that doesn't happen.
was going to say, yes, any music news this week from either of you two? Charlotte, you got some music news. I've got some music news. Music news. (laughs) Yeah, I've actually brought some music news for the table. (laughs) So um, my friend Gib from when I lived down in Worcester, um, I've not seen her for years and years actually, but... um, She's fab. She's got like the best hair of any person that I've ever met. <laughs> um, so yeah, Gib, um, full name Gibby Flynn, has just brought out a new album which she released. She was trying to release it at 6.66pm, which obviously doesn't <laughs> exist. So she released at 7.06pm on Bonfire Night. <laughs> and then um, it's called Tomboy. Um, and um, yeah, it's really absolutely banging album. I've listened to it a couple of times now, um, and it, it's just, yeah, it's really, really good. I think it's going to be one of my new favourite uh, new favorite albums. But yeah, she's got um, a track on that that's called Tomboy, uh, which mm-hmm. is really cool. Um, she's worked with um, Ginger from Ginger and the Wild Hearts, and then um, a guy called Chris Catalyst as well, who used to be in a band called Catalyst. Um, and then also, um, yeah, a few other sort of uh, musician friends as well are, are kind of on that. Um, and uh, yeah, just totally, totally banging album. But my favourite standout line from it so far is um, "fuck you and your X Y expectations." I think it's great. <laughs> so, yeah, tomboy, fantastic track. Cool. Well, I, do, I think we're going to play that a little bit later on, aren't we? I've got a bit of new music news if you want it. Oh, yeah. um, all right, here we go then. So, quite a few new albums. Adrian uh, Lenka, who's the lead singer from Big Thief, who we played a few uh, episodes ago, she's got a new solo album out, which is really good. Michelle Gurevich, uh, who we played again um, earlier this year, she snuck a new album out back in uh, April called Ecstasy in the Shadow of Ecstasy, um, which I've been listening to a lot over the last month uh, and has one of my favourite tracks of the year called Feel More um, which might might maybe play next next time around um, some new tracks from Julia Jacqueline who we've also played before uh, on here and also a new song called The Valley uh, from Emma Ruth Rundle uh, which is epic uh, eight minute long uh, just really good track uh, again might play that on the next episode yeah so so lots of good stuff and um also, uh, two of my favourite artists have been collaborating on some tracks. Uh, so, uh, Bonnie Prince Billy and Bill Callahan have been uh, covering lots of quite uh, random songs. Uh, and some of them work and some of them don't. I would say on, on the whole, it's a little bit generic, but I'm going to play one of the better uh, songs of their recent collaboration shortly. Um, so, so that's quite exciting. How about you, Berg? i got a bit of music news. So, it mentioned Stoge Snack, uh, the Danish streamer songwriter's new album was brilliant. Go and check that out. Uh, EFA Supertramp, the Welsh um, sort of punk girl, uh, just her and acoustic guitar basically reaching out some absolutely fantastic um, melodies and sing along sort of protest songs, both really worth getting hold of. Millie Manders and the Shut Up uh, released an album, this is kind of ska band um, from down south somewhere. Uh, telling Truth, Breaking Ties, and really, really impressed by this one. I'm, I think I'm going to play a track next episode if I can of that it's an absolute belter um, mentioned a couple of things from TNS Records uh, I listened to the album Bobby Funk Longing for the Bonging that they just released from the uh, start of lockdown um, not knowing that obviously it's going to be a lockdown and they haven't performed any bit live these guys crashed over hours after a gig once uh, the fire rate uh, that was fun uh, and they, they, they had a habit of getting into the studio before they'd written really good songs but this time they've got into the studio when they've got some great songs and it's a belter and I really might like to play one of their songs before the end of the year 
um, especially before Brexit, because there's one that's like absolutely awesome that looked at that sort of stuff. Um, Knife Club uh, released a seven-inch lockdown acoustic EP uh, that came out on the 6th of November. That's really, really worth your time, um, and I'm going to pick up that. I'm also going to get that with the new Harrigan album when it comes out. These are like a, a really sort of interesting Manchester ska band. Um, but the, the question on my lips really is, they've sent it to press. Is it going to be ready for the end of the year because of like, you know, the pressing plants might not be able to work through the lockdown? I don't know, but uh, I hope so. Uh, or, you know, this year's been awesome for music anyway, so like maybe they just declare and, you know, January and pick up a bit of that. But also TNS Records have released their 100th release, uh, and that's a real milestone for a DIY record label. It's, it's released a lot of really great stuff. Uh, so LP number 100 is going to be a double LP of different artists that have released songs with them uh, over the years, including uh, a song about some stegosaurids by the Speed Dinosaurs, my band. Uh, Speak Dinosaurs have been involved in a, a compilation from a German radio station, Punk Rockers um, hyphen Radio DE. It's called Turn the Radio On, songs about the radio. It's 17 artists from 17 different countries. That's on Bandcamp, and uh, I've downloaded that. I look forward to giving it uh, a bit of a listen to my music. Wow. Uh, interesting what you said there. You said it's it's been a really good year for, for music, and I remember um, like maybe back in April or something, or maybe it was May, saying the exact opposite but i agree it has been a good year for music now i think everyone's <laughs> a bit on, it just it was a slow starter wasn't it um okay well i'm going to play a song then so i was mentioning uh, bonnie prince billy and bill callahan um th- one of the cover versions they did um is this one that i'm going to play it's a hank williams song uh, it's called Odeed in denver uh, and it's probably the most interesting one of the ones that they've they've done
but they don't take the place of a woman's face or of her feel. She treated me nice, and I'd like to find her again. But I OD'd in Denver, and I just can't remember her name. I brought it on myself, so I guess I shouldn't complain. Doc says, son, you can't do Cool. Uh, so, hope you enjoyed that. The purpose of this new system is to create a single global super beast. Whoa! Let's get super beast done. Berg, you uh, did an interview, didn't you? Did, would you like to introduce that? Yeah, um, interviewed temporary artist, uh, a friend of mine, Ellie Dustap, um, who, uh, yeah, I thought it'd be an interesting one to deal with some issues of like art and digital censorship and kind of ways that art's received in the modern world. So uh, we had a we had a bit of a, a chat. Yeah, let's let's have a listen. Hello. So I'm here, or rather, I'm not here because we're both online. Emily Dewsnap, an old work colleague of mine who back in the day we used to put up all manner of shoddy posters and do marketing for the university notice boards and we used to write a little thing called Hyde Park Heat when that was a thing. So uh, how are you Emily? Yeah I'm really good thank you, how are you? Yeah all good, good tired but working but you know. <laughs> yeah. So do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners and just tell us a bit about what you do? Yeah sure so I'm a professional contemporary fine artist. I've been working on commission for about 20 years and every time I say it now, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so old. But I've just recently closed commissions to concentrate on like a magical realism fence that I can do my own portfolio. So that's been quite exciting. That's that's my big news for this year. So what sort of stuff do you paint or do you draw? Um, well, I tend to work either in sort of very heavy graphite pencils doing quite erotic fetish artwork or I'll work in acrylics and sort of build it up so it's like oils. Generally speaking, it's women. I tend to concentrate on figurative artwork more than anything else but having worked on commission for 20 years you kind of you you end up doing things you wouldn't necessarily do in mediums you wouldn't necessarily use and so it's it's been a really good experience yeah just fairly recently I've, I've just been getting a little bit irritable with with my commission work I was like this isn't me I love my job why am I getting annoyed and I realized it was because I just hadn't been doing what I'd been wanting to do for so long and there was so much stuff in the pipeline that coming away from commissions has definitely been something that I should have probably done about 10 years ago but no regrets I've done some amazing commission work as well for people that I would never have thought in a million years would work so yeah it's been a great experience cool it's nice to mix up but it's, it's definitely nice to get freedom to do what you want to do I need a niche. Um, I needed to find my niche. As we all do, I guess. So what inspires you to make art then, Emily? Boobs. <laughs> it's generally, generally I, I like to do sort of figurative stuff involving women. So I do tend to do quite a lot of nudes. 
but I just need to do it. There's something about it that even even when I've got full-time jobs doing crappy office work, I'm still thinking about the next project I'm going to work on or planning something out. And I, like I lie, I lie awake at night just thinking about what I'm going to paint the next day. And it's, it's really sad. And I have this, I have a Trello board and it's just absolutely rammed full of stuff that I really want to get my teeth into. So that, that is another reason that I closed commissions. It's like this absolute need to create stuff. And if I don't, I get really down with myself and I don't know what's wrong, but something's wrong. And then I'll create something and go, oh, that that's what was wrong with me. I just need to do that. It's sort of part of who I am, I guess. Lovely. So do you like make enough money through your art now to support yourself or are you still working the old crappy office jobs? Um, I'm not actually. So yeah, I left university and just, I've done all sorts of jobs. I've done like office jobs. I've waited on tables. I've done factory work. Like I've done all sorts of jobs. And I kind of always thought I'd have to to keep the art going. And I then I realized last year, actually, no, I need a five-year plan. This is what's gonna happen. And I had spent ages planning out what I was gonna do. And then COVID hit, I got fired basically the day it hit <laughs> because of COVID. It was just like, yeah, you can go home. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. And then I got, and then I got evicted because I'd been fired and I couldn't afford my rent. And it was before all of the kind of help for renters and stuff like that. And I was like, Okay, five year plan is now happening now. It's happening now. <laughs> oh God. But yeah, I mean that impetus that oh I, I need money now, not it's a plan I've got in five years has meant that I've been really pushing stuff and having worked in marketing for the last eight or nine years has meant I know how to push stuff as well. So actually mm. at the minute it's working really well on its own and I really love doing it. At some point I might take another part time job if I need to, but so far, yeah, I'm absolutely fine at the minute. I'm glad it's been working out. Like do do you ever feel like fatigued from having to create that much or, or are you managing to balance it all? Yeah, I do get fatigued. I've started getting RSI as well because I've always painted but never constantly. Mm. Um so I get I get a bit of fatigue from social media because I'm constantly being hassled about things and <laughs> And I get a lot of backlash for some of my work and then I'll go and I'll paint something, but then you get that imposter syndrome that artists get and, and the whole thing can just be quite draining. So occasionally I'll just, I'll just be like, I need a day off. I'm just going to play video games and watch crap on Netflix and I'm not going to do anything else. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a nonstop job. You never sort of turn off because you're always creating stuff and you're always thinking of different ways to do stuff. So it can be quite tiring. But I think as long as I keep mixing up, I've started doing a bit of writing again as well because I wasn't really doing any. And I thought, you know, not only do I need it for the SEO for my website, I actually want to explain to people why I've done the things that I've done and why I've painted it the way I've painted it. So I've started doing a blog post for every single piece that I've got that's available for sale, which has been a challenge because I was like, I need to do one a day. <laughs> that's the good like couple of hours to set it all up. But yeah, I think I think the key to fatigue is just mixing it up a bit, not just constantly painting and sitting in front of a canvas and scrutinizing your own work but like sort of doing all the other stuff you need to around it within the same day you not know, like masses of painting and masses of marketing yeah, yeah that's my way around the fatigue i think you're not alone with the the people that have been getting fatigued social media i think just socializing is becoming a bit oh. fatigued it's all gone online yeah absolutely i'm getting zoom the zoom fatigue weird because i really miss the interaction with people because i've always mm. been really social but then there's the oh we're doing another zoom call okay <laughs> i think we're all in the same position at the minute aren't we everyone's just feeling a little bit fed up of doing everything online yeah i suppose i'm going back in and doing stuff in in the school that i work but then you come home and you just go like oh man people have just been having a range of bitch about whatever online so. <laughs> yeah yeah, so yeah. You mentioned your work it's got quite a lot of sort of sexual elements to it and you mentioned like mm -hmm. fetish art and, and of course boobs um and, and you've got <laughs> 
criticism. It's like, great. How do you feel about first, like, kind of what form, what sort of forms does it take, and and how do you feel about that criticism and censorship of your work? Well. <sighs> To be honest, when I started doing the fetish art, I wasn't expecting the censorship or the criticism. I think because when I went into it, I was thinking, I'm doing this to normalise it, not to be provocative. And there were so many people who were so offended and, and kept accusing me of being provoking. And I was like, I don't understand. I just thought it was quite nice. Like, I, I did it because people are quite open with me and they'll talk about sex quite openly. And and they'll say, you know, I feel like there's not enough of this in mainstream media. And I was like, brilliant. Well, I can do something about that. I'd love to do something about that. And I started doing these quite fetishy pieces and very, very soon realised that it was going to upset an awful lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the, the strange thing is that there are a couple of pieces I've done that I would say are quite explicit. They don't seem to cause any issues, really. Pieces that cause the most issues are the naked women where you can see their foof. Like, it's like foofs <laughs> outrage people, <laughs> and they're just so outraged, and it tends to be, and I hate to say it because, you know, I'm a woman's woman, and I'm, I like to build up women, especially women in the arts, but I've had a lot of criticism from older women who, I mean, I've had emails from people telling me that I'm a paedophile, in one Whoa. case. Uh, I know, there's a pencil drawing called Nap Time, and it's a grown woman, it's clearly a grown woman, and she's asleep, but she's got no knickers on. And for some reason, it has just brought out vitriol in people. And she was like, are you clearly trying to get people to think it's a little girl because nap time is what children have? And I was like, whoa, 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 I call women girls. I, you know, my friend and I run a book club called Girls Like Us. I mean, I say I run it. I just was doing the website and Emma does all the hard work. But it wasn't ever supposed to be a little girl. It's clearly a woman in her 30s. I don't quite understand what the problem was there. And then the other one was Queen, which... Um, I, I actually did as a sort of a cheeky sort of um, retaliation to the Facebook censorship thing. And I was like, this is this is going to be funny. And all, all my peers are going to be like, oh, yeah, nudge, nudge. Yeah, we get that too. No, they attacked me as well. It was awful. And I was like, oh, no, oh, no, this is horrendous. And that's um, a picture of a naked woman with her legs splayed. And then people <laughs> going, oh, you should do a figurative art class because live classes, they never spread their legs. And I was like, well, maybe not the <laughs> classes you go to, but I've. I go to a burlesque life drawing class and they do, like they do all sorts in that class. So don't patronise me about this. Yeah, so it's, I get annoyed with the censorship aspect of it because I'm not trying to upset anyone, but I quite like that it's provoked a reaction. I just don't mm. like the fact that I keep getting shadow banned because although it's a free platform, it's a big part of my marketing. And if, it, if the social media doesn't function, then but the rest of my marketing strategy doesn't really function particularly well. And it's frustrating because you're like, I've not actually done anything wrong here. It's been, it's been a very, very up and down sort of journey on it because some people are like, you've got to keep going. And some people are like, you should stop this immediately. This is not okay. This is not art. And yeah, <clears throat> it, it just took me aback. I wasn't ever trying to be political, really. I was just a bit like, oh, I'm annoyed with the censorship. I'm going to do more boobs and foofs. And then, <laughs> yeah, it just carried on. <laughs> yeah, but I like I like the sort of fetish stuff just because it does feel like it's normalising a, li a little bit. And there's one piece called Know Your Place that I've done, which has had a lot of commentary, but not about the art. It's about the act. And I didn't think <laughs> it was that niche. So this is like, um, I didn't think rimming was that niche. So <laughs> I was like, doesn't everyone do that? Like, I don't, I don't quite get why this is such a problem. So I don't know if it's just because I've 
so sort of desensitized to it because I look at it all the time or because I was a Findom for a while and I like sold fetish gear online a little bit and stuff like that. So I don't know if it's because I've been in the industry a little bit that I'm a bit desensitized to mm. uh, erotica, but I was not expecting that reaction at all. <laughs> so you mentioned being shadow banned. Yeah. Like, is it like humans that are censoring it or is it like the algorithms that are doing it? It does vary. So if it's something that looks very much like a human, it will be an algorithm. So if it's a woman and they're definitely boobs, it's an algorithm. <laughs> Whereas it can't pick up on Know Your Place was taken, like the shot that I did, it's almost like an abstract pencil drawing. You have to really look at it to figure out what's going on. That doesn't get banned quite as often, but it has been banned. But I find that when it's people, I either get a message or an email saying your content has been reported and that's happened quite a bit as well so I, I got reported for a painting called shadow cast which i don't even think is rude it's just a tiny bit of bum but yeah that did not because i've not censored it that didn't go down very well at all so yeah i think in some cases it's the algorithm and i think the algorithms really they need to be looking at them because there's so many people now who are struggling to get their work out there even if it's not explicit like, I can't post pictures of animals or anything at the minute because I think they think I'm trying to traffic animals or something. Um, I can't, I, I know, it's so stupid. I can't advertise through Instagram or Facebook. They immediately just say no every time I try to do it. I'm like, I'm trying to give you money so that you can advertise my product. It's not rude. It's an elephant. I don't understand. It's a very strange one. I think the algorithm is probably a good thing in some respect because it, it means that there's not some poor person going through each and every single post looking at horrific stuff and having to censor it. But at the same time, there does need to be someone looking at what has been censored, especially if it's being appealed and saying, no, actually, I don't know what it thinks this is, but this is fine. And, you know, if we are going to make ballerinas start working in cyber, maybe we could give them a job checking Facebook. I don't know. Yeah, have an algorithm as a first port of call, but make sure that someone else is checking it. I mean, one of the things that made me absolutely incensed was a few weeks ago, I reported a post and I don't do that often. I don't shock very easily. But I came across this account and it had these pencil drawings of, it's making me upset just talking about it, these little boys being abused by very buxom women and the, they painted or they drawn these little boys to look upset and I was like oh I'm gonna have to report this this is awful thinking oh this is one weirdo doing weird drawing and then mm. I looked at the comment and all the comments underneath were like oh this is so hot and I was like who's doing this Whoa. how is it that I'm getting reported and this isn't so I reported it before that had been taken down I'd been shadow banned again so I I know why they've done it. It just doesn't work. A lot of people's livelihoods at stake. A lot of people make their money online these days. Hmm. Yeah, I'd be looking at that from a child protection point of view. Like, who are the people that are saying that that sort of stuff's okay? <gasps> it just took me aback so much, and then I blocked them. I sort of reported it and blocked it as a knee-jerk, and I wish I hadn't. All right, so, Emily, should an artist have to suffer, or should you just have a lovely time just enjoying <laughs> yourself and being creative? Um, I think it's like with everything. It's a bit of both. I don't think you have to suffer. I think a lot of artistic people get imposter syndrome and have mental illness. And mm. I think there's something that comes with creativity that sort of gives you that internal angst. I'm not so sure unless you're painting something political, you probably don't need to express it too much. Or unless you're like Brian from Spaced and you're painting anger and all the emotions. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think you need to be completely suffering. 
But I would say if you're writing, it definitely helps if you've lived. So it definitely helps if you've been through some stuff and come out the other side. And whether you've come out the other side positive or not, I think the experience of that definitely helps. But yeah, I think I think a lot of artists just have this sort of, oh my God, life is so terrible every so often. I mean, mm. I, I do it as well. I'm a hive of neuroses and mental illness, but it's an entire podcast in its own right. But I don't think it's necessary to be an artist to struggle with your mental health. Mm. So like you've been painting a lot of like mythology and characters of that nature lately. Like what's inspiring you to create these sort of images? Well, that, that was the reason I stopped doing the commissions, actually. So I, I was doing these commissions and I was like, oh, these are they're fine. And, you know, I love my job. It's a great job. But I'm frustrated about something. I like the kind of mystical side of things. And I like flowers and I like the fetish and I like the naked women. I was like, hang on, these things all kind of fit together in a way like there's <laughs> mysticism and eroticism and all that kind of stuff kind of goes quite well together and then i saw it was it just popped up on my instagram it was a painting by michael whelan and it's called edge dancer and it made me feel things i was like oh that that's i want people to feel things i want there to be more to it than just a pretty picture i want there to be like a story yeah behind everything that I'm doing. I just carried on doing what I was doing, but there was just this thing niggling in the back of my mind. And I was like, no, I've got, I need to go and explore this a little bit. Um, and I'm right at the beginning of that journey because obviously for the first time in 20 years, I closed commissions, what, five months ago? So I'm a little bit like, oh, this is new and exciting and I'm just exploring it. But I think my own love of kind of writing and dystopia and the macabre as well as sort of like witches and witchcraft and all that kind of stuff as a completely as a person who's completely not spiritual as well i just love all the kind of imagery that goes with all of that and i love halloween and all that kind of stuff so it was mm -hmm. i just wanted to do something a little bit deeper and then obviously I've, because i've studied english i've studied a lot of mythology so I like the religious side of things, even though I'm not religious. So there's a bit of that. And I'm desperately trying not to offend religious people with, with any of it. But um, I've actually just started putting together some tarot cards. So some of them are traditionally men as well. And I've been trying to find a way to make them a little bit androgynous so that they're not just men. Because I just wanted it to be quite a female-centric card deck. Um, so there's something about strong women as well and strong women in history and witches in history and all that kind of stuff kind of fits in with that narrative. But yeah, it's just something that's always fascinated me. And I was like, why have I not been doing this the whole time? So I've had a lot of fun mocking things up in Photoshop just to just have a think about it's been, it's been so much fun. And I've actually sort of come out the other side. I spent so long doing Photoshop after I, the first time I got RSI, it was so bad I couldn't do anything for about a week. I couldn't pour the kettle or anything. It was great. I just got cups of tea made for me. But yeah, I, I thought, do you know what? I'm going to do some research. I'm going to do some marketing and I'm going to, I'm going to figure out where I'm going. So I did loads of mock-ups. I was like, oh, I'm so excited to get started on this. And even mm. since that point, which is about a month ago, I've, I've sort of developed a bit more of a style as well. I've never had a niche. So it's my, um, me coming into what I want to be doing. And then when I reopen commissions, it will be based on the sort of mythology, mysticism, crystal type stuff, mm. rather than just throw me, throw at me what you want. Um, and then we'll do that. Although to be honest, I don't want to completely move away from fetish because one of my favorite things to do on commission is work with couples because they start out really <laughs> shy. We'd like to talk to you about this. And obviously I can't market it, but they're like, we'd like to talk to you about this. And I'm like, okay. And then they send me loads of really explicit photographs. And I'm like, oh, sorry. And I'm like, you're absolutely fine. You're fine. You won't believe what people send me. 
like it's it's absolutely fine and that's that's a really nice experience because you kind of grow together so i don't want to completely get rid of that but yeah the the mystic the sort of mystical magical stuff i think is where i'm headed for sure it sounds in a weird way like that's almost like safer ground because people will have this idea they're like oh it's a fantasy world so i don't need to go that's a little girl that i should be angry about or that's a, 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 a <laughs> You know, a bum that's being whittled a bit too much. It's like, because, to be honest, most of the art that you see uh, that's famous, it has boobs and it has, like, female form. And I wonder if those things were uploaded, how much the censors would kind of trigger them or how many people would say this very, very famous classic image is very offensive to me. Ooh, that's interesting. Maybe I should start just occasionally just uploading a classical image and see what happens. And get done for plagiarism, though, Emily. <laughs> well, I wouldn't claim it as my own. I'd just be like... Oh, look, random renaissance. You can set up a fake troll account like these guys that are, you know, like supporting Trump and saying, I'm a black person who is a Christian and I love Trump. Like, maybe maybe you could oh, like, be like Leonardo's, uh, like, um, <laughs> reincarnation. Oh, God, don't set me off on the state of politics in this day and age. This is the thing about COVID. It's actually worked really well in my favour and I feel like a horrible person because I'm like, oh, it's, it's great for me. And everyone else is like, it's horrendous. I miss my friends. I'm poorly, like... My mum died. It's it's been awful for everyone. But I'm like, oh no, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the state, the state of politics, and and all the stuff that's happening in America, and the oh, the riots and the fires, and <laughs> I just keep looking at the yeah. news like, how do I even start to protest or fix this? Like, what do we do yeah. about this mess? But yeah, I'll set up a fake <laughs> fake account just for Renaissance paintings and see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, shits and giggles, yeah. But don't waste too much of your time. You should be making art rather than trying yeah. to prove points, I guess. <laughs> I do stuff yeah, scheduled. I just set everything up and it, it schedules itself and it posts itself. And I, I sort of <laughs> do my ads, I set it all up and I just forget about it. And then people go, was that thing you posted the other day? And I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. <laughs> all right. So you mentioned Girls Like Us. Can you tell us a little bit about that? project yes so just for context john and i used to work at the university of leeds no we didn't we worked at leeds beckett university and we oh. met a friend there called emma um and emma and i have remained friends we did paper put together and all that kind of stuff and emma wanted to set up a book club for women it, yeah so we set up this book group for women and it started out and it was four of us um and we do sci-fi fantasy and horror and graphic novel and nothing else except that we vetoed dystopia for this year because we live in one but emma does basically all of the legwork and she gets people to come i think we've got we've got at least 15 core people now who've been coming a long time we're still running it online and then on top of that we've probably got another 15 people who drop in and out whenever they feel like it it's just it's been an absolute amazing success and Emma's just like, I can't believe it's come to this because it was her baby, really. And we'll probably start the website up again. But you can still find us online. It's uh, either GLU or girlslikeusbook.com. Um, and all the books that we're reading will be on there. We started, instead of having dystopia on there, we decided we put feminist literature in there. But obviously, Jermaine Greer is not allowed anymore. <laughs> Sad times. But yeah, it's it's been it's been an awesome experience. It's one of the things and, and to be honest, I haven't done any work, but I'm still really, really proud of it. There are so 
so many women who've come to us and women who've come we had a girl from saudi arabia who unfortunately had to go back but she wasn't supposed to be coming out to meet us she was supposed to be chaperoned everywhere and she was amazing <laughs> she was just an incredible woman and we've had women who have been abused who who will confide in us and it's just an amazing safe space for women that i didn't ever see being that big it's been an absolute success and I've met some really amazing women through it. So yeah, it's, it's good fun. And we've got offshoots now. So we have the uh, GLU wrestling, GLU horror film. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a GLU animal crossing, but I'm not, I didn't have time to do animal crossing because I was like starting to do the, the art full time when that came out. It's been an incredible experience all around. And at first I felt bad because I was like, this is sexist. This makes me a bad feminist. But actually it's, it's sort of given us another it's just given the whole group a different dynamic because it is just women as well. It sounds really interesting. Thanks for that. Okay, so I've still got copies of Paper Cut. Uh, I don't think I've ever got a copy <laughs> of Black Cherry. How do you feel about zines? And would you ever consider going back to making or contributing to them? And also, like, have you got any more plans to write, like writing prose or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. I I think writing the blogs that I'm doing at the minute has made me think I definitely want to write a novel that I don't tear up. Because I've, I've written about three novels and then I just go, wah, at the end and tear them all up. And then I go back about two months later, I'm like, why have I done that? Like, I could have done something with that. It was a first edit. What's wrong with me? So I definitely want to go back to writing. And I love the zine thing. I love like the DIY aspect of it. And the sort of, it's almost like subversive. It's its own press. I really like that because it's not owned by I mean, obviously, it's owned by people with an agenda, but it's not owned by people with money who have an agenda. It's owned by people who genuinely feel what they're feeling when they produce those things. And I had an issue when I first started Black Cherry. It only ever became a thing online very briefly. And that, that was because people kept saying they were going to send me stuff and then didn't. And, or they'd send me something that'd be rubbish. And be like, I can't put that in without really editing it and I just kind of at the time as well I was dating a narcissistic psychopath with Machiavellian tendencies can you tell I've been in therapy since then <laughs> but yeah I just, um, it, it just it just fell it just fell to the wayside and I still have the WordPress account and I would still love to do something with it it just sort of I lost the thread of what I was doing and I was you know we were young yeah it just never it just never really took off but yeah, the whole DIY thing really appeals to me, especially given that you can't trust a single newspaper at the minute. It just feels like mm. this massive political warfare online of people shouting nonsense into a void. And you're like, oh, I can't actually trust anything that I'm reading at all at the minute. Like Trump getting COVID. No, he didn't. I knew mm. the minute he got it. I was like, he's just going to say, oh, yeah, I, I, I do know it's nothing. I just came out. Like with nothing, it's like, mate, if you got COVID, you'd die, like you're ill. But I think that we need DIY zines in the same way that, that we need any sort of media that isn't owned by massive companies or people with vast amounts of money because it needs to be written by normal people. Do you know what we need? We need a political party that doesn't have a massive agenda based on people with money. <laughs> we need a political party that's based on normal people going, guys, this is ridiculous. Why don't we just do this? I mean, I'm not volunteering. I don't want to be no, no. rubbish. But yeah, somebody else, somebody better than me should. It sounds sensible, not having a massive agenda, just being mm -hmm. calmed out, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. All that right-wing stuff, it's a matter of personality politics over kind of yeah. actual issues. So for him Absolutely. to like have this miraculous recovery and then just go around the way, throwing masks in the crowd, it's, it, it just belittles the whole thing. It's like people that are stupid will go, well, he's 
pump full of energy today, so I'll vote for him. It's like it also just people that are so stupid that they don't realise they should be voting about issues. Yeah. And and the other thing is, the other guy's not great either, is he? <laughs> so you've got at least you've got one bombastic on one side. I think that's what they're voting for at the minute, rather than mm. the guy who couldn't or didn't get a chance to speak. Oh, he's such a shambles. Yeah. Yeah. Big big, massively important shambles, that's the bollocks mm. of it, like. But, yeah, um, I love all this kind of rhetoric around anyone who's not a Republican candidate in the US. They, they're lizard people or they're paedophiles. <laughs> they don't understand where they're getting their information from. It's like, Reddit is not a news source. <laughs> yeah. Wherever you get your information from is wrong. But, yeah. yeah. I'm sure know. if Jesus had been around, he wouldn't have been advocating tear-gassing protest as he seemed to be protesting about <laughs> quite. No. Thought, his, thought his revolution was just forgiveness and being sensible and calm. But, you know, <laughs> what do I know about these things? Like, maybe his, his revolution should have been a semi-automatic or an automatic weapon. Uh, so if you could have the combined skill and ability of three artists, but you also have to inherit all their flaws and weaknesses, who would you choose and why? I'm going to say three artists you probably haven't heard of. But Educate me. Because <laughs> it's like, he probably wants artists that, I, that everyone's heard of. But yeah, I like him. Um, there's a guy called Alan Jones who... Um, I studied at A-level, it's the only time I've ever studied art really was when I did A-level and I managed to get onto the A-level course at my sixth form even though I hadn't done GCSE just because I lied and they didn't seem to notice that so was fine <laughs> but um, Alan Jones does this, he's, he's like hypersexualized sculptures and lithographs um, and pop art really he was like an icon of the 60s his failing is that he was very very heavily criticised by feminism at the time because where when I do fetish, I do the women in the positions of power. He was doing sculptures of women as furniture, which I Ooh. actually I love it. I love it, but obviously it is problematic. But then I think feminism has had a bit of an evolution since then as well. And we've kind of gone, okay, sex work is okay and being sexual is okay. And so it's probably still quite problematic. So basically, I've given myself my own problem back. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Really Even annoying people being overtly <laughs> sexual, but yeah, in a different sense. Um, he's he's an amazing artist. I think he's still alive. He must be. Must be in his eighties. He must be. Yeah, I've not seen anything he's done for a long time. But it's it's very much like the fetish shoes. You know, the hobbling shoes that are really really high heels you could never walk in and all that kind of stuff. Um, and the other one I mentioned, Michael Whelan earlier. He does very much like fantasy art. It's imaginative realism, which is kind of what I'm working towards, but. He does very small people in very strange settings, and I just absolutely love what he does. And the only thing I can say that's bad about him or that I would inherit from him is that his website is absolutely shit. But, <laughs> but he doesn't need a good website because everyone knows who he is. But I, when I saw um, the picture that I was talking about earlier, Edge Dancer, I tried to find it online. I tried to find prints. I tried to find the original. I was like, obviously, I can't afford the original, but maybe I can afford a print. You, there's no way I couldn't. I could not navigate his website for anything. I was like, oh, okay, so marketing is also important. But I would lose that if I could paint like Michael Whelan. I would, yeah, I would give up. Um, and the third one is Jenny Seville, and she does grotesque, quite splashy artwork, almost like Lucian Freud type. She does like hunks of meat or people who look like they're bleeding from places, but you wouldn't know because it's so splashy. You can't really tell if it's a cut or whether it's just their mouth or it's it's just really, really beautiful. But I would say her failing is that she, she seemed, and I'm, I am making assumptions here, she seems to be quite humorless, which I find with a lot of the art world, we take ourselves very seriously. <laughs> 
And I hate that. I hate that about the art world. Like, I like to think that art should be accessible to everyone and you shouldn't buy art as a status symbol. It should be there because you liked it, because you want to look at it over and over again. It shouldn't be because such and such painted it and you've paid five million for it and therefore it's worth something. It's like when people buy wine and don't drink it because it's worth a lot. But yeah, I would say she's an amazing artist, but she's very serious about everything all the time. So um, those are my three with their failings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd have to lose your sense of humour. What price mm. to pay for being a bad mm. artist? I don't know if I could... St- I'd just rather be a crap artist with a sense of humour. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. And finally, where can people see or buy your art, Emily? Uh, well, I have my own website where people can buy the art direct and it's a lot cheaper if you buy from me. Um, and also you get freebies. Um, and that's emilyjuicenow.co.uk. Um, but I'm on Saatchi at saatchiart.com forward slash emilyjuicenow. Um, and I'm on Redbubble at emilyjuicenow.redbubble.com, which is good for sort of like budget prints and t-shirts and stuff like that. Like if you if you want a really good art print, I would go to Saatchi. Um, I've got the odd one on my own website, but if if you just want something that's cheap and cheerful, go to Redbubble because they do that so well. Okay, cool. We'll 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 post like a link on our, our media when this goes live. Okay, so thank you very much, Emily. It's been a been a blast. It's been nice catching up, and uh, all the very best with your continued artistic journeys. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. I feel like I've just like exploded at you through my mouth. But yeah, it's been really nice. Thank you very much for having me. No worries. <laughs> first of all I, I thought that was a a, a brilliant interview uh she's a, a great guest like really charming really funny uh and and some great questions berg um we'll have to get her back on to explode with her mouth again soon uh as she puts it. <laughs> but yeah it was, it was really nice having that catch-up chat with her and uh yeah talking to her about her, her very interesting artwork so i'd, I'd recommend you uh, subscribe to her, at least on in- instagram and then she'll market to you or not market to you depending on how much she senses. We'll definitely share all that stuff on, on Facebook and those places. I, I love to referencing Brian from Spaced and uh, his only painting <laughs> from anger. I thought it was really interesting what she was saying about how she's kind of um, felt like the urge to, to start writing blog posts and stuff uh, and like discussing her artwork that way. I, I can imagine there's quite a lot of that been happening this year when people don't have that kind of contact with you know, they might create some art, but then they, they still want to talk about it as well. They want to provoke a discussion with it and um, they're not able to easily have those discussions. So I thought it was interesting what she was saying about that and trying to give some context to things. I think good art ought to sort of, ought to instigate a, a dialogue and a discussion or, mm. or just be a beautiful thing that you enjoy looking at. It's, it could be either, but yeah, it's nice when uh, you want to discuss it. Like when, when we go on to uh, our online open mic, like we, we like to have a bit of banter and chat about things before we we play them and you know say how we're about to murder a song <laughs> by someone and this is why we're playing it and why we're feeling that way and stuff like that so i guess it's important to talk about feelings and uh, yeah it's really nice to uh, consider good artwork i thought it was good um as well it was nice to hear somebody put like a positive spin on co- you know kind of the covid restrictions and how, how she was saying that <laughs> it had uh, losing a job and and losing that that income stream had kind of pushed her into like just diving into what she was calling her five-year plan uh, and just cracking on. I thought that was really good. Good interview. Yeah, we should we should definitely have her back on again and, and we can all have a chat. You guess you've kind of introduced it already, but I think you were going to play uh, a song. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, my, uh, my favourite sort of feminist anthem of the year, I guess. <laughs> it's, uh, I feel like, give us one 2020 with this, so yeah. <laughs> So yeah, the track's called Tomboy, um, and um, yeah, it's just absolutely banging. It rocks. Mm-hmm.
It's probably the wrong word, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that that rocks. It's good. I think it rocks. Um, the um, the other tracks on the album, um, it's kind of a mix of um, sort of more um, melodic kind of ones as well. It's it's not all sort of um, really guitar driven like that. It's um, yeah, um, it's a really really nice mix of songs on on the album. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, some definitely quite deep and meaningful ones on there as well. So yeah, it's a, a good album, worth a listen. Well, oink oink, super beast. Can I d- very quickly do uh, a little film review for you? Yes, please. Yes, go on. <laughs> All right, okay. Um, so a little update: watched twenty-one films since we last spoke. Um, wow. Uh, God knows how, um, alongside the van videos. But um, I watched JFK. Uh, have you seen JFK before? I'm aware of oh, it. <laughs> We're so bad at films. I'm sorry. We, we've watched some really, really old films recently, but not to, not more not more modern ones. What did you make of JFK then? Well, I'm not going to do a full. I, I just it just popped into my head as I was saying I was going to do a film review, but it was really good. It's like it's three and a half hours long, and I was gripped all the way through. So uh, if if you haven't watched it recently, I would I would recommend it. Anyway, the film I was going to talk about uh, is on Netflix. Um, it's called My Octopus Teacher. It's a documentary, obviously, because I usually pick documentaries. <clears throat> so it's a documentary about a guy who's uh, into snorkeling in South Africa. Uh, he uh, seems to be going through some sort of upheaval in his life. Sounds like he's probably having a bit of a midlife crisis. Uh, I don't know. I don't think they actually say, but maybe he's broken up with his wife or something like that. Anyway, he's out snorkeling uh, one day uh, and he kind of comes across this octopus in the sea. Um, and he decides he's going to make it his mission to to go diving every day at the same spot and try and um, tame the octopus and and become friends with it and convince it yeah that that he's a friend and, and not a foe uh, and so and he's obviously um, his career has been in uh, filmmaking so he obviously naturally films the whole thing uh, and so the documentary is it got all this incredible footage of him trying to befriend this octopus. Um, alongside interviews with him and uh, and just some really nice uh, nature photography um, and stuff anyway. And so kind of not wanting to spoil anything, um, but he manages to, to make friends with the octopus. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, in, it's just really interesting to watch. Um, the way he talks about this octopus is um, very much like he's in love with it, um, but not in a creepy way. <laughs> which is a, a difficult thing to pull off. But, um, yeah, he definitely, um, for whatever reason or wherever he is in his life, that, you know, he bonds with this octopus. Um, and it's, it's yeah, it's it's sort of equal parts exciting. Um, because there's a lot of stuff going on underneath the water. Uh, it's quite touching, heartbreaking uh, and inspiring. And obviously from the title of the, of the documentary, he learns a lot um, from this relationship, which he builds up with the octopus. Um, that he can then use in the rest of his life um, and with those that are important to him. Um, and I think it's a must watch if you're interested in animals. Um, 
and particularly like two species kind of communicating and and, and connecting um yeah. and for me personally i think um octopi are like some of the most fascinating creatures on the planet and obviously very intelligent um so uh yeah just one of my number one super beasts uh if, if we're being honest and i would absolutely recommend the documentary i would love you both to watch it i thought it was yeah. great that sounds great um i'm still well I've, I've got a book actually that i'm working my way through i don't know if i've mentioned it before but um it's called other minds um and it's the or the octopus the sea and the deep origins of consciousness and it's by a guy called um peter godfrey smith um and he talks about kind of how um consciousness has um evolved along different paths and our version of consciousness might not be the same as the the consciousness that um an octopus would um feel or their their lived reality um but it's it's really really interesting um so yeah if you, if you enjoyed that film definitely check out that book so yeah other so that's smith. what was his name sorry peter godfrey smith godfrey smith okay he's got another couple as well but um that one especially is brilliant as a study of the octopus because i mean he he's into snorkeling and diving as well um and he's also um a philosopher um yeah really interesting <laughs> I, I think as a as a fan of uh string um oh I, god <laughs> here we go <laughs> fascinating because of how stringy they are but like also that aspect of cognitive consciousness and uh, bonding with the animal world is really interesting it's, it reminded me a little bit of, uh, I was listening to something on radio about the uh, finding out possibilities of humans living underwater for any period of time and exploring underwater realms and just talking about like how horrendously like uh, the floor of the ocean is trapped by all these big trawler net things. I think it's a good time to be trying to get people to empathise with what's underneath the the water and what's on the seabed or, or in the depths. So yes, great recommendation and, and let's um, yeah, it's just just a random thing, but just it, that documentary made me think about like people's empathy by getting them to go underwater and look at things i'll I'll just give you a brief rundown of the things i've been reading um books so like yeah i've been getting right into the new scientist and make, make a point every month or a couple of months to just like read all through new scientists because uh it's um pretty fascinating to keep it a breadth of, of what's happening um and a couple of like standout things um one was just in terms of meeting environmental goals, there was 20 big environmental goals that were put forward um, that were agreed by 2010 to tackle major threats to wildlife, and only six have been partially achieved. Uh, 14 uh, haven't been achieved at all. So there is a bit of progress, but and it's an interest to keep an eye on COVID and, and like reading all about like different models of evolution. So like, yeah, get your mind into new scientists if you can. Uh, absolutely been thrashing through and loving some of the stories of Philip K. Dick. Uh, I got like Minority Report, and that's just full of other stories, including the one that got made into Total Recall. And what a mind, what a short story writer, just absolutely improves my narrative craft because he's so good at thinking and, uh, yeah, coming up with interesting things. So, like, total, totally like indebted to Adam for mentioning Philip K. Dick as, a, as an inspirational writer, but probably get my read a bit more of that going forward. I've uh, been reading a zine that came out from. Um, it was from Petrol Girls Beyond the Ballot Box. It's kind of written in the in response to the sort of the Brexit vote, 
uh, things we could do because we're stuck with the government for the next four years beyond the ballot box uh, that's like looking after people and some really interesting sort of minority viewpoints expressed there. The main ones that stuck out in my mind are related to like looking after people if they're being uh, kind of confronted with right wing aggression and kind of sticking up for people and not just tolerating it. So uh, I, I fully recommend Beyond the Ballot Box. Um, got some zines from Eddie Pyle, um, very interesting writer, someone that's like transitioning genders themselves at the moment. And uh, it's kind of like looking at uh, irregular zines, them writing about clothes they, they wore when they were younger and uh, how they think about those later on. Things I wish I'd learned about empire in school was quite an interesting one, um, which I did bring into school and none of the kids could be bothered to read, actually, but maybe written a few reading years ahead of them. But quite interesting thinking uh, about how people try to present colonial issues in different contexts and especially the Ad Advocacy Academy. They did a bit of a stunt in, or a bit of a, an activist um, kind of um, thing in, in London where they put a lot of covers on the front of metros to, to like give uh, what should be happening and, and just seeing people's sort of reaction to them and to, to, to like research and read what they put out. And it was quite interesting sort of um, relation to issues of race and kind of attitudes towards colonialism, really. Um, lights go out, lockdown issue came through. I was reading the rants that I wrote in April, if you're interested to get all the lights go out. It's like a punk hardcore zine. I really fucking ripped into the Tory government, like, you know, but I'll tell you what, like, uh, but it was, it's quite interesting to read back through the depth of feeling that was going on there and, and how much bullshit was happening. Um, so, yeah, I'd recommend uh, Lights Go Out uh, if you like punk or hardcore or politics and just random stuff. Um, Steve Larder, the illustrator, uh, whose work I massively enjoy, he released Rum Lad issue 13. He basically goes on an organic farm and learns about organic farming and, like, it looks at, like, lives in Cornwall on a sort of, like, it's a kind of like hippie commune sort of run by the people all duty shared equally. Uh, so looking at methods that we could live sustainably, um, it's, a, it's a very interesting and well-illustrated issue, uh, very thoughtful. Um, but I, I read one of his short stories because I've just been finishing the Say It Right Writer Circle uh, anthology from 2014 for ourselves, for each other, where um, Steve writes under a pseudonym and he looks at revolution and how we could kind of, you know, we're going to need to live more sustainably in the long run. And he's thinking about how his dismal efforts of growing food and uh, and how much space we'd need per person and how that might be able to work. So it gave a, a definite light with me reading his, his, uh, his exploits of going to this organic farm of like, in the future, we might need to be able to like doing a lot more for ourselves. So we should be learning how to do it and understanding how it could be done and managed and spreading ourselves out that bit more uh, in these kind of COVID times. And yeah, one more really worth mentioning, uh, massive, massive big up to Paul Hanna, uh, the artist and um, sort of gig goer, spreadsheet geek extraordinaire, it turns out. The guy's kept a spreadsheet of every single gig he's gone to since his sort of 70s um, escapades, and he goes to a lot of gigs now, um, punk gigs mainly, but he's made this book called Big Eds, where he draws people and he gives them a big head, kind of like, uh, you know, you ever see those old um, like football like dolls that you got like Steve McManaman and he had an enormously elongated head and it was like a little plastic thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. He's basically drawn lots of people from the punk scene and from like music scene, and sporting scene, and, and the burlesque scene as well, and gig goers uh, as big heads, and he's published a decade's worth of these into one um, book. So if you want to look at Paul Hanna and his artwork and his ambigrams, uh, like things that you can look at from different angles. 
and still see the same thing or like his tessellation portraits i highly recommend his work if you wanted to buy someone a present uh, and they like music maybe you could find big heads and that's what i've been reading and looking at and they've been great mm. imagine that imagine keeping a spreadsheet from the 70s onwards of every gig <laughs> you've been it sounds like circo like i said that he's better than circo <laughs> it was his birthday and i started quizzing him on his spreadsheet and uh, it's like and he's like come on come on uh, tell me he's like come on john Tell me uh, what what do I do? I'll look at my spreadsheet. I'll find out like how many bands we've watched. We do the letter T, and he's like one thousand two hundred sixty-eight. That's including how many times we've watched. <laughs> Fucking hell, man. When you're feeling fine and being kind, spend some time in Good stuff. Um, should we do a Should we do a, a room nine one nine quickly? Is, that, is that, has anybody got anything they want to stick in there and, and save for for all yeah, time? Yeah. So this is for things that are positive that we want to celebrate and put into room nine one nine, the opposite of your Joel nightmarish room one hundred and one. So what have we got, guys? Can I put Sean Connery in? <laughs> I really want to put Sean Connery in because I just I think Sean Connery is wonderful, and obviously he's just passed away um, like this last week. Um, and uh, I just thought he was a great actor. And because of everything else that's been going on, I don't feel like he's really got a mention. Like, I've not really seen much about it on social media or anything like that because it's been sort of overshadowed, obviously, by, like, what's been going on in America and stuff. So I'm going to put Sean Connery in. And I remember seeing him in Highlander, and I thought he was absolutely brilliant in Highlander. <laughs> he, he's not got, like, a major part in it or anything like that. But he's just absolutely fantastic in that, and everybody remembers him as James Bond, obviously. But um, for me, it's um, his roles in other films as well that I thought um, he—he's uh, just—he he just had like a real charisma about him, and I, I just think he seemed like a, a fairly decent man. You know what I mean? He wasn't trying to be like a saint or anything, but um, he just—he just, he just well, that seemed was Roger like Moore. a good. <laughs> oh, God. He just seemed like a good human, and uh, yeah. So Sean Connery. I want to put Sean Connery in. Oh, well, I want to put in local shops to room 919. Like, I think through the pandemic and before the pandemic, uh, local shops have been doing a, a fantastic job, like, just to be able to financially survive ahead of, like, all these, like, multi-corporation chains that are, like, buying big shipping containers of stuff from China and selling things that people think they want. They get stuff in that you actually might need. We bought, like, a milk crate that we put our bottles in from, um, from um, Harvard Mills which is going to shut down a place like KHDIY. They always had whatever I needed to get um, when I lived in Hyde Park and they kept people supplied with bog roll and people were like hoarding and panic buying. And yeah, just the personality, the hard work, the dedication of the local shopkeepers and, and uh, trying to survive in this climate and the ones that keep them going, just huge respect. So local shops. I'm going to put in writing. Um, uh, I'm going to put in writing in, in from from every angle. Um, so so this is writing for yourself, just the, the physical pleasure of it, but also the the therapy aspect, the kind of organisation of your thoughts, um, the ability to reflect on what you're feeling, um, and uh, there's there's just so much therapy to to be had through writing, and it's I think it's really good for the mind. It helps you kind of organise things. Uh, internally um, and if you can just if you just write for yourself you will naturally get better at it and eventually be able to use that potentially as a, as a skill later on in life uh, to reach other people uh, and I just think writing is a fantastic thing that more people should experiment with um, and, and have a look at. And uh, Emily's recorded one of these for us as well so should we should we hear what Emily would like to put into room 919? Let's have a listen yeah. So I want to 919 um, the arts because 
they are just keeping us all sane and they're what makes us human um, and they make us look at the world a different way. But specifically, uh, the All Killer No Filler podcast, which I've binged twice since lockdown, um, bearing in mind I've binged that before anyway and been to see the live shows. Um, it's hosted by Kerry Pritchard McLean and Rachel Fairburn, who each have their own shows that you can download at the minute as well. So I've done that too. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a murder podcast, but it's quite a positive one. They very much take the piss out of the murderers and very much sympathetic towards the victims. And it's just done in a really funny, hum, uh, um human way. And, and that really appeals to me. So that's that's been keeping me sane throughout lockdown. I'm not sure that there are any of the podcasts apart from the Super Beast podcast, but I found one set. What, is that an advert on our podcast? <laughs> Check that other podcast out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that sounds great. Okay, well, yeah, on, on that note, um, shout out to all of our listeners, wherever you are in the world. We still want to hear from you, don't we? Yeah, I think um, people just need to maybe get in touch more with like, ideas as well for things that they might want to hear. Tell us what you want, what you really, really want. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you never know. With it coming up to Christmas, that's all we're all folks. Uh, obviously, get in touch on, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, at SuperBeastPod is the, is the handle that you need to look for there. Uh, and don't forget to subscribe as well um, because it gives us motivation to continue, uh, although we'll do it whether you subscribe or not, but do it. Anyway, yeah, uh, any conclusions or anything you want to say before we before we sign off? This last few weeks has been really tough for lots of reasons, for lots of people. Um, and I think if we can all just keep talking, keep being kind and um, just keep the dialogue going, because we will get through this, like um, this whole sort of pandemic shite, it will lessen. It's never going to go 100%, but I do think it will lesson and life will become more normal um and we'll be able to see people again um so in the meantime i think just uh, keep making those human connections two things for me like uh, i feel like like moderation has got to be a big thing going forward it's like a lot of these counter-opposed like viewpoints and how polarized nations are and uh, left and right it's really the the kind of like emily said in her interview it's, it's the middle like uh that's um that's important that, that we're, we're not being too rash that we're kind of um that we're being moderate and you know we're not going to just go straight away to like a really like left-wing socialist kind of uh thing but we just do need to like just heal things and, and change things and sort of try to support and look after each other and, and that's the kind of the next stage it seems at the minute is, is, is uh kind of getting rid of that separatism and uh kind of hatred of, of other classes and just coming together that little bit even if we can't physically do it um, that we can look after each other sort of mentally and socially and the second one as well is just look after animals it's getting winter it's getting cold you feed something or you can look after your pets and let them sit on you for a bit you both benefit feed the birds what about you blake what, what conclusions you got oh i i i don't know just just hang in there it, it'll get better um hopefully you know get get through the next few weeks i think christmas it, it will be a good time um yeah. if if you're unsure about anything, make something. Just just make something, whatever it is. M make something that wasn't there before, and you will have done something good. Um, yeah. 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 And spread spread the positive vibes if you're able to. Yeah, look after people because, like you know, it's people that disappear from the radar that you're yeah. worried about, and there's always one a bit off, worse off than yourself. If you're feeling down, then maybe like chatting to them might help you or help them or both yeah. you. If there's any, if there's a friend that you haven't heard from for a little while this year. Um, who you expect that you should have done 
get in touch, see what see what they're up to. Maybe they're not feeling too good. Um, we'll be back um, next month, I suspect, with a kind of end of year roundup of uh, all the, the good and bad that's happened this year, won't we? Yeah. Yeah. In the meantime, everybody take care and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll speak to you soon. Oh, I'm, I'm going to play another song, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll say goodbye, I guess. Oh, see bye. you. Bye. Music fills my bones again at last.